with the Lady Jessica and Arrakis, the B'nai Desert system of sowing and planted legends through the missionary Protectiva came to its full fruition. The wisdom of seeding the known universe with a prophecy pattern for the protection of the B'nai Desert personnel has long been appreciated. But never have we seen a condition at extremists with more ideal mating of person and preparation. The prophetic legend had taken on Arrakis even to the extent of adopted labels, including Reverend Mother, Kanto, and Respondo, and most of the Shur Shura'awa Penapanilla Propheticus, and it is generally accepted now that the Lady Jessica's latent abilities were grossly underestimated. From analysis, the Arrakan crisis, the Princess Irohan, private circulation, B'nai Gesserit, file number AR810885, Wow, I murdered that quote. That quote is dead now. That was pretty bad. Oh, man. I tried my best. Welcome to Readin' Dune, a podcast where we read Dune by Frank Herbert and talk about it. If you're a Fremen or a first-time reader, this podcast is for you. My name is Caleb Pauls. And I'm Evan Diaz. And together, we are going to read some Dune. Yeah, we are. Yes, we are. And I'm very sorry about that quote. I, I was feeling really good at the beginning, and then I like lost it halfway through. Dude, honestly, I haven't seen more difficult words in this book outside of that quote. That quote was... Half of it was in... Another Latin language. Something. I don't know what that was all about. Like... Uh, <laughs> Uh, Pano- Sharia Panoplia Propheticus. Yes. Canto and Respondu. Yes, those are all Bene Gesserit terms here that. Um, Condition can... ut extremis, extremis. Right, Frank. You couldn't have just said, like, this was a perfect scenario. You had to get all weird and deep. Right. Gotta make it. Gotta make it sciency. So it is science it fiction. So I guess it works yeah. like that. Um. So we are finally we have made it to the planet Dune. Yes. We are gonna see things. I mean, granted, they were already moving pretty fast. It was only like a two days in the last couple of chapters, but things are like really gonna take off. Right. And the Arakeen crisis is definitely currently underway. So first of all, I just want to do a recap of where we've been. So where we've been in the book. Yeah. Where we, what happened in the book or where we've been in our lives. Uh, we can start with our lives and then move to the book. So I was born in uh, Cambridge, Massachusetts in <laughs> Is that too much information for our audience to know where I was going way back? I just gave them that. Okay. (laughs) You just moved into your RV. I did. I did just move into my RV. And because of that, we have not been able to record, what, two weeks in a row? Yeah, we got a little messed up there, but we're going to make up for it. We're doing it. We're going to do the thing. Um, And that's why my audio quality is not so great. And I'm in this strange little green room at the place where I work. So, uh, sorry for everyone that was used to hearing my lovely voice and it's lovely, uh, like special sounding way that it sounded in the other episodes. It does not sound that way right now. Well, we can try to get there in editing. We can try. We'll do our best. Anyway, how are you doing, Caleb? Doing well. Doing well. I really missed um, recording with you. I got a little sad, but I'm very pumped about where we are and what's about to happen. Yes. I want to keep moving through this because I feel like we've just like barely scratched the surface. We've just landed on the planet, very literally. Right. And it honestly happened a lot faster than I thought. I thought we were going to get like the trip over there and like Paul being curious about the guys that may or may not be weird 
mutant crab people or whatever it was. Right, the, the spacing guild. We just landed. We It's just Jessica standing there being emo about some decoration. We went straight into that. Right, right. Like, we, we don't have any description of the planet. Nothing right. at all. We went from, like, all right, we're about to get on the ship to, like, in a room. Yeah. I get, granted, it's a big hall and it's got all its stuff, but it's, like... We get straight to what Jessica is looking at as she's unpacking. Like, she went straight to unpacking. Right. Which I think is normal. Um, and, yeah, you don't really... New space, new things. You're going to do a tour, walk around. This is... They're in the Great Hall. Right. Might as well make your the house tour. is creepy. The first thing you're going to do is try to nest it out and, like, make it less creepy, which is what Jessica is confronted with right off the bat. In this, in this chapter, we're going to get two big moments, right? This is our first time we see the Duke and Jessica interact for the first time. Right. And it's also, we meet our first Fremen. Right. And we're really, the quote kind of lays us out here, how we're going to see um, how the missionary protectiva and Dune and Jessica were like this perfect fit. Mm. Like almost too perfect, it's scary. Right. Um, as we're going to see later on, as she like, we don't get the weird perspective. We don't actually know the, the Fremen prophecy, the missionary protective that was seated. We only see it from like Jessica's point of view. So it's almost like we stumble into this. Like we're not even trying. Right. And she's like weirdly fulfilling things right off the bat. Right off the bat. Like that's how good this missionary protective was it like, helping B'nai Jesuit women if they were stranded in some place. They could just, boom, top of the system. All right, so we start with Jessica in the Great Hall, and she's unloading boxes. So, And she remarks that the architecture of it, it's um, that it's kind of built with wood. It's an arch ceiling with great cross beams, she felt for sure had been shipped here to Arrakis, which must have cost a crazy amount. Right. Because there's no way that these trees could grow on this planet. Right. There's no trees there. It's just all sand, right? Right. There's some plants, but they, they, they don't have enough water to grow to this height. Right. So she thinks, you know, this is a, an old mansion in the days of the old empire. And then it's also important to know that the Harkonnens are not in this city. They are in their new megalopolis of Carthag, a cheap and brassy place. So it kind of gives the the tone, I guess, that the Atreides are living in this legacy place versus the cheap, ma- cheaply made, very brassy place that is the right. Harkonnens. Yeah. So the Harkonnens still have like a significant presence on Arrakis. Well, they're not in the same place. They were told to get out. I mean, if I'm if I'm Thufir and I got to pick a place, I'm going to pick a place that the that the Harkonnens weren't because they'd have less time to lay booby traps and stuff. Right. Um. So the first thing that she uncovers is a painting, and it's a painting of the Duke's father. So a piece of twine. She, was still clutched in Jessica's left hand. Behind, beside the painting lay a black bull's head mounted on a polished board. The head was a dark island in the sea of wattled paper. Its plaque lay flat on the floor. The bull's shiny muzzle pointed at the ceiling as if the beast were ready to bellow a challenge into this echoing room. And Jessica wonders, you know, why why the hell did she uncover these two first these two things first right the head and the picture um do you know why i think we're going to uncover this about why she is at the very end of this chapter she like curses um the old duke yeah because of like this moment and what's going on right um, so we'll just continue here. Okay. 
because I have more to get in about the bowl. The bowl's okay. important. Okay. Okay. And you don't just randomly just drop in this random mounted headpiece and not bring it up. Right. Um, so first we get. Ah, screw it. I'm just going to jump into it right now. Okay. All right. Cool. <laughs> so the Duke Leto, right? He was born in Caledon. This is from the Dune Encyclopedia in uh, 10,140. He was the only child, right, of the Duke Mintar. Um, and the Duke Mintar was obsessed with bullfighting. Mm. He's called it the Corita. That was his thing. He made it a spectacle is how he would, he would do it. It was his performance <laughs> to um, cheat death. Look how, come, how close I could come to death and still cheat it. Well, he died because of this bull. Um, the names of the bull is uh, El, El Muerte. It was the name of the giant bull. El Muerte. Yeah. Like straight up Spanish, El Muerte, like. Okay. Straight up. Cool. Right, there's, there's definitely a Spanish feel with the Atreides. There's like the Spanish Greek thing going on. Okay. Okay. We can do that. Yeah. Right, 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 right. I'm ready. Um, even that, that hawkish features and everything else. Right. Um, so, of course, the Duke, he was only halfway through his military training by the time this happened. And so, of course, he demanded the right to avenge his father's death against El Muerte in the arena um not was no so it was also a symbolic act but it was also politically like astute to say i am man enough to take my father's role i have to kill the beast that killed him right um this one action one duke Lido, bravery and the imagination and the support of the populace that he needed Lido killed the bull using his father's own stuff thus linking the power that was with his ancestors, and he never entered the arena ever again. Dang. That's heavy. That's like... And it was... And it, odds are, like, I mean, if we go on later in this chapter, like, the blood of the old duke is still on the horns of the bull. Right, because they put a transparent, uh, protective something or other... Like, within hours of his death. Which means if the blood was already on there, that challenge had to be pretty immediate. Right. And the the old Duke's death must have been pretty immediate as well. Right. So, like, the whole thing happened super fast. But Leto acted, like, very specifically and, like, had thought behind why he was doing X, Y, and Z all just, like, really fast. Yes. So he's this, like made for this. This yeah, he stepped into the arena, had to had had to happen. It's kind of like what's happening to Paul. It's almost being he's being thrust into this moment. I hope you're ready. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. Yeah. So that's the story of the bull and the old duke. That's uh, crazy. Right, yeah, and so there's the, why. So Jessica's thinking to herself, why did she uncover the old duke? and his killer what was it about those two things that symbolized coming to arrakis mm. so we'll we'll jump into that um but first we have the interaction between the duke and his lady right so she whirled and saw him standing there in an arched passage to the dining hall, his black working uniform with a red armorial hawk crest at the breast looked dusty and rumpled. I thought you might have lost yourself in this hideous place, he said. It's a cold house, she said. She looked at his tallness, at the dark skin that made her think of olive groves and golden sun on blue waters. A sudden fear of him tightened her breast. He had become such a savage, driving person since the, since the decision to bow to the emperor's command. The whole city feels cold, she said. It's a dirty, dusty little garrison town, he agreed, but we'll change that. So there's a sense that he's, he's changed rather rapidly. Yeah. There's this driving force in him that wants to prove i think 
that he can survive in this trap that everyone knows is a trap. Will they be able to get out alive? And so we see that uh, he steps closer, touching her arms, admiring her stateliness. Again, he wondered at her unknown ancestry. A renegade house, perhaps? Some black barred royalty? She looked more regal than the emperor's own blood. Which he doesn't know Jessica's lineage, but we know Jessica's lineage. Right. Which is kind of awkward. Um, so again, he's remarking at her appearance. And the first question that he asked then afterwards is, where's Paul? So it's always, Paul is always on the brain. What is Paul doing? Yeah. Um, and I want to go into how the Duke and Lady Jessica met. Okay. And where Paul came from. I think we know where Paul comes from and how that happened, so I won't get into the exact details. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that. That's not a different type of podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Thufer went and bought the Lady Jessica, um, and she was the bound concubine for the Duke's household. The Duke had no concubine before in the castle. Um, and he had a habit of selling off his concubines after a short time, usually for a very, very cheap amount. So he'd get them and then just let them go. Um, he also had a habit of dismissing his buyers. And they, when people would bring him people that would bore him. So everyone was kind of worried that Jessica wasn't going like, to meet up with what was going to go on in his brain. Um, so Thufer, of course, was very, he does, he distrusts the Bene Gesserit. Um, so let's see. What took place between the Duke and his concubine during the next few hours? Oh, wait, hold on. I'm going to back it up here. Um, so there was some trepidation when the last buyer introduced Jessica to Lito and discreetly removed himself from their presence. What took place between the Duke and his concubine during the next few hours is unknown. But when the Duke arrived for his meal a few hours later, he did so with his new concubine in his arm, a privilege never granted to any other concubine. Mm. And, during the dinner and during the dinner, he included Jessica in the table conversation. The next day, Lito summoned the buyer to him and announced that the buyer was dismissed. Um, do, 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 do. Jessica was going to stay with him. And it was announced five months later that the Lady Jessica was with child and she was to bear the Duke's first child and a boy was born four months later and it was named Paul. So on their first interaction, Lady Jessica uh, denied all of her Bene Gesserit training and gave birth and allowed the contraception nope allowed the conception there's sure. the word that's the right word um of a male is the the opposite, the opposite. <laughs> right that's what she was supposed to do but didn't right right fair and i just think that speaks volumes of their relationship it was like instant the right. instant trust instant instant instantaneous level of respect that has never been given at least anybody in um, Duke Leto's council. So right. given to Jessica. So they are definitely lovers, but um, he makes it very clear that he's not, she's not his wife. Yeah. What's a, uh, what's the deal with that? Cause they seem to have this like strange intimacy, regardless of all the like little details of, you know, her being a concubine and, and he says like, you know, be glad I never married you. You know, like what? I, I don't get it. I think there's a power like struggle here. She knows that for political advancement, he needs to remain unmarried so he can marry like 
another lord or lady's daughter to uh, gain advancement much like in like the middle mid mid ages medieval times right right. like with the feudal lords because that that's kind of the system they're running under gotcha and she he's even says to her like you may resume your custom of dining in your room whenever possible like i'm not gonna call on you to come out except for like formal 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 occasions when i need you right there's this see this is kind of funny too he says and don't go all cold and formal on me yeah right be thankful i never married you my dear then it'd be your duty to join me at the table for every meal she held her face immobile and nodded like Good she can, you, Jesuit vibe. right like she can control every single muscle on her face like <laughs> if it wanted to move it didn't <laughs> which is even more scary right <laughs> and she's like you anticipated this this disagreement she said like they're fighting in like an old married couple would right um he goes my dear i think also of your comfort i've engaged servants they're locals but how it has cleared them they're fremen all they'll do until our people can be released from their other duties can anyone from this place be truly safe anyone who hates the harkonnens you may even want to keep the head housekeeper the shout out mates shout out jessica said a fremen title i'm told it means well dipper a meaning with rather important overtones here she may not strike you as a servant type although how it speaks highly of her on the basis of duncan's report they're convinced she wants to serve specifically she wants to serve you and then so the shout out mapes has requested to serve the lady jessica and they go on to say that like oh this is the missionary protectiva in action jessica actually thinks this like no place escapes them right she says does this mean duncan was successful she asked will the fremen be our allies there's nothing definite he says they wish to observe us for a while, Duncan believes. So the shout out Mapes is this, uh, is gonna be, has instructed, how do I say this? Hmm. Um, she's gonna be an interesting character coming up as this later on the chapter is kind of devolves. Right. Um, So the conversation kind of continues. And uh, again, Lady Jessica forces a smile. So every time she does anything with her face, she's like, especially forces a smile. She's like, ah, she's making her muscles do that. Right. We, We are committed, no doubt of that. She went through the quick regimen of calmness, the two deep breaths, the ritual thought. Then when I assign rooms, is there anything special I should reserve for you? And of course, Duke Guido's, you must teach me that someday, how you do that. Yeah. The way you thrust your worries aside and turn up practical matters. It must be a B'nai Jesuit thing. And this is, it's just so good. She goes, it's a female thing. <laughs> I burn. <laughs> and so the conversation continues. He glanced at his wrist at his wrist watch. So all of it's been moved to um, a rack in local time. And do 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 do. He's about to leave. She says, My lord. He goes, Yes. And then she thinks he will not be persuaded against trying to make this planet secure for us. And I cannot use my tricks on him. And then she says, at what time will you be expecting dinner? That's not what she was going to say, the Duke thinks. Ah, my Jessica, would that we be somewhere else, anywhere away from this terrible place, alone, the two of us without a care? And then he uh, says, I'll be sending a guard car for Paul. I want him to attend our strategy conference. He clears his throat. As though to say something without warning, he turns and strode out, headed for the entry. There she could hear more boxes being deposited. 
his voice sounding once from there commanding and disdainful, the way he always spoke to servants and was and when he was in a hurry. The way to Jessica's in the great hall. Join her there immediately. And the outer door slams. <laughs> so there's this there's this thing as this interaction ends between the two of them that she says, I will not um, use my tricks on him. Like she had the she could have made him like get up and go away. Like just leave Arrakis. Yeah. But that's not the kind of relationship she wants to have. And she like she doesn't want to. No. That that's what it seems like. She she knows her ability, but she has this respect or admiration or love for this man. And she's like, okay, everyone else but not him. You yeah. Know? And that's that's a that's like a true respect. Yeah, which I mean, is why he like instantly gravitated to her. Right, but it also seems like genuine love. But I could be wrong because I don't know what's going to happen next. Um, that's kind of what it feels like, you know. And from his side too, you know, he's like, "Oh, dude, if we could just be alone and not have to worry about all this crap." Like, yeah, just ditch Paul and just take off just the two of them right i mean yeah i think what they have is it's gotta be called love um but and then because they are so he relies on her so heavily and she broke every benet jesuit code to make him happy so if that's not love i don't know what is right it's like a weird love at first sight it's like they made all of their plans all right away in that one night, and they were like, "All right, let's do this forever." You know let's what I mean? do it. What happened, whatever the consequences may be. Yeah. Hmm. Um. <laughs> Jessica turned away, faced the painting again of of Leto's father. It had been done by a framed artist during the old Duke's middle years, and was portrayed in the matador costume with a magenta cape flung over his left arm. The face looked young, slightly older than Leto now, and the same hawk features, the same gray stare. She clenched her fist at her side, glared at the painting. Damn you, damn you, damn you, she whispered. Yeah, okay, the matador costume made no sense to me when I read it, so I'm really glad you gave me some context. I was like, oh, matador. Cool. The old dude was into some weird stuff and he just like really dug some matadors. <laughs> I mean, that was his thing, right? He yeah. he grew Caladan with Thufer's help into becoming like a, a a bigger tradable economic power. And so but his his thing he got off on was being in being in the arena as a matador, facing down death. <laughs> with his magenta cape. <laughs> 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 and I think it's the same, like, why do you think she's damning the um, painting? I mean, what I was sensing was like, everything is kind of this chain of events starting from, maybe starting from, his actions, the old Duke's actions, you know, maybe she's blaming him or placing the blame on him for the situation that they're in now. So there's, yeah, there's definitely a something they, the, the Duke Leto and the old Duke share a common trait. Yeah. And I think she's cursing. It's this trait that Leto got from his dad that's got them in the, into this predicament. Hmm. So it's like Arrakis is this, the bull ring and it's the facing down the danger. And what do you have to do? You have to jump in there and you got to face it and believe you can beat it. Right. And it's that, that driving force that she kind of alluded to earlier that I think is the part she hates. Right. It's that, like you see a risk you just take it and see what happens 
to the point where the old Duke was like routinely taking the, the risk of putting his life on the line in, you know, the, what's it called? The ring. The, the Corita, I think is the term in the book. Sure. Um, yeah. That like immediacy, that need to move towards risk, that terrible purpose. Oh, the terrible purpose. <laughs> That's something I'm drawing you always drawing the worst saying something is coming. Yeah. All right. Anything you want to talk, finish off about that? Our first interaction with the Duke and his lady. Um, no, I think we really got into all the stuff that I was thinking about. Cool. I'm excited to see how it progresses. Yeah. It's going to progress. Progress it shall. <sighs> Let's see if their love holds up. They'll oh, trust each other. I don't like the tone of your voice when you said that. Bum, bum, bum. All right. So now we meet our first Fremen. What did you, uh, what did you think first impression of the shout out Mapes? Um, she's like, okay. She's a little creepy. She's got this like this like witch doctor vibe to her. Um, and we're seeing this from Lady Jessica's perspective. So she's like explaining away all of the things that are happening, you know, like, oh, this was the Missionary Productiva, like they did this, this, and that. And because of that, the lore in this place, like the legends are super deep. And so she thinks this, this, and that. Um, but um, shout out Mapes had this like otherness, this like. She was definitely seeing another picture. Right. She She was kind of like on a different plane with the whole thing like like jessica was logicking away everything and she was almost like in the spiritual realm like oh like i think you might be the one oh shoot you know you, you and she like continues to build and so the all of the explaining that jessica is doing kind of it's it's confusing it feels like she's trying to explain the fact that she thinks there's this prophetic thing happening, but shout out Mapes is like, this prophetic thing is happening. <laughs> it's right oh, in front of my eyes. What do you do with that? You know, like, do you continue to logic it away or is it actually happening? I don't, I don't know. It's definitely, yeah. You're going to see yeah, the missionary productiva is, it's kind of what the first quote said. It's being played out and there's no one better perfect for it than Jessica. Hmm. And they didn't plan this out. It just happens to be the universe kind of set this up. Hmm. A God or whoever set this up is pulling these people forward through this. Right. Um, all right. So shout out Mapes walks in and says, what are your orders, noble born? <laughs> it said her voice was stringy. I was like, yeah. what is it? How do you? How does someone have a stringy voice? Well, okay, so we're going to look at her description right here. Jessica, Jessica rolls around, stares at a knobby, gray-haired woman in a shapeless sack dress of Bondsman Brown. The woman looked as wrinkled and as desecrated as any member of the mob that they had greeted along the way from the landing field that morning. Every native she'd seen on this planet, Jessica thought, looked pruned dry and undernourished. Yet, Guido has said they were strong and vital. And there was, yes, of course, the eyes. That wash of deepest, darkest blue without any white, secretive, mysterious. Jessica forced herself not to stare. All right, so all of these people, Fremen, the natives on Arrakis, are, well, wrinkly and small right because there is no water right 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 it's like you're you're just like dried out your whole life the vibe i kind of got was the the image i got was like basically my grandma just a like old skinny wrinkly latina lady it's kind of like 
what are your orders? You know, like right. Um, and her name, Well Dipper, does is does mean a lot, and we'll kind of get into that. Probably not in this chapter, but we will. She's pretty significant. Right. I mean, if you're named after something as precious as water in a place like that, there's got to be some significance to that. That's why. That's where I got the the witch doctor vibes. You know, yeah. like she's she's on a different level than than most. Right. She has been. It's almost like she's been sent by the Fremen to investigate is Jessica the one. Right. Um, so a weird cry is held from the road outside the house. It repeated, Sue, Sue, Sook, Sue, Sue, Sook. Keep going. Please keep going. <laughs> <laughs> then, and again, Sue, Sue, Sook. What is that? Jessica asked. I heard it several times as we drove through the streets. Only an water cellar, my lady. But you've no need to interest yourself in such as they. The cistern here holds 50,000 liters, and it's always kept full. She glanced down at her dress. Why, you know, my lady, I don't even have to wear my still suit here. She crackled. And me, not even dead. <laughs> Please, you got a career in voice acting. Start <laughs> right now. Let me know, Devin did. <laughs> just, I just pull up old uh, Monty Python skits um, <laughs> in the background. Well, I think want to do that. Me, not even dead. Um, so yeah, so there's definitely something about the economy of water. Mm -hmm. There are water sellers that would sell water. They would. They would find old rags and use them and and sell them to the streets. But of course, the the, the city itself was water rich. They'll never have to worry. And she looks and says, "I don't have to wear my still suit." And because if she was back in the CH, if she was on the open dunes, mm -hmm. um, she would definitely be dead without a still suit. Right. Just being how old she is. Fun fact: um, the so usually our body our body's eighty percent water. Mm -hmm. The Fremens are only seventy percent water, so it's why they're all shrivelly. Right. They when they need less water itself. Wow. And so okay, so now we're gonna go. We're embark on the clues that Jessica uncovers to try to move through this. My husband told me of your title, Shadow. Jessica said, "I recognize the word. It's a very ancient word." You know the ancient tongues, then? Mapes asked. She waited with an odd intensity. Tongues are the Bene Gesserit's first language. Oh, no. Tongues are the Bene Gesserit's first learning. All right, and then she says she knows all the hunting languages, um, which are Bo, Nod, Jib, and Choptica. Mapes nodded, just as the legend said. Mapes. And Jessica's like, oh my gosh, here we go. How much do I want to play into this? Right. I like she almost feels bad. Like these right. are normal people. Why should I dupe them? And she's already like betrayed the B'nai Jezreel with the whole situation with Paul. She's like, why am I still doing this? Like, right. <laughs> so and Instead of like, you know, stopping right there, she goes even deeper. I know the dark things, <laughs> the ways of the great mother, Jessica said. She re read the more obvious signs and made actions and appearance and, and petite betrayals. And then, are you reading right now? Uh, yeah. Can you want to you give me that uh, in the Chopsika tongue, what she says? So I'm not the only one who murdered something on this okay, podcast. I'm gonna go super hard on this. Andral trepera trada sic busca crimises pera cri. Apes took a step backward. Appeared proposed to flee. Um, okay, so fun fact, just fun fact tangent. Can you just um, tell me that I did pretty good? Like oh. that, I put my heart into that, man. 
I could hear it. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure the listeners can also hear it. I'm picturing I'm picturing Jessica in this moment like Galadriel in the in the Lord of the Rings, like instead of a dark lord, you should have a queen. <laughs> right. <laughs> really intense all of a sudden. Just goes into it. Sorry, I got I got caught up with my fun fact. So cho- Chopsica, cho- 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 um, mur- yep, murdering that word too. Chakopta. Chakopsin? Chakopsa. Is actually a, an English tongue. What? Yeah, it was a hunting language used by Muslim kings in the Caucasus Mountains. Hmm. It's a dead language now. But, and the, the, the spell or whatever she says is actually a um, gypsy spell. So I think Frank just, I need something. What do I need? Just write something down. He's just like, he's like Googling stuff. I, mean, I don't know that Google in the 60s. Right. But yeah, something like that. He was just like, let me go down to my nearest li- gypsy library, see if they have any books. <laughs> hey, you know what a gypsy is? Curse. All right, so now Jessica does the prophetic thing and reads her, right? right? I know many things, Jessica said. I know that you have borne children, that you've lost loved ones, that you've hidden in fear, and you've done violence, and you will yet do more violence. I know many things. I think it's, yeah, it's a very open read. If you're on a planet that's desolate, she looks old, she's probably born children, probably lost some. Yeah. In a low voice, Mape says, I meant no offense, my lady. You speak of legend and seek answers, Jessica said. Beware the answers you may find. I know you came prepared for violence with a weapon in your bodice. Like, this is just a straight guess. I just, or does she see it? Or like, how does she know? Or or does she know so much about what the Missionaria Productiva does that like okay the legend that they implant here is that they have to bring this thing you know or does she literally just guess whatever she like and it could be a keyword thing too you know what i mean because the missionary perspective is built on keywords right that she had implanted in her at a young age like they just memorized over and over again so these things are probably just popping up to her She's like, oh, this is the next step. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My lady, I, there is a remote possibility that you could draw my life's blood, Jessica said. But in doing so, you'd bring down your ruin than your wildest fears could imagine. There are worse things than dying, you know, even for an entire people. Ah, there she is again. <laughs> a, little too, a little too harsh, Jessica. You get to hold her back. Like, she just went full missionary <laughs> perspective. <laughs> she went full sand on this old lady and just like I'm gonna go straight for like I will murder your planet like, day one turning blue and like <laughs> my lady Meeps pleaded she appeared to fall on her knees the weapon was sent as a gift for you should you prove to be the one and the means of my death should I prove otherwise Jessica said she waited in a seeming relaxation that made the Bene Gesserit training so terrifying in combat. Right. Okay. Okay. So she's saying all of this. I'm picturing like evil looking Galadriel, but she's just like standing there like posed. I'll, I'll, I'll kill you. I'll kill your whole, your whole family. What, what's up? <laughs> right. She can control every single muscle in all of her body. She's just like super calm threatening this woman's life which is by far much scarier oh it's terrifying all right let's see what the weapon is i'm interested to see your thoughts on this (laughs) so of course then jessica's like all right let's see what happens i've played all the things let's let's see how this goes slowly mapes reached into the neck of her dress and pulled out a dark sheath a black handle with deep finger ridges protruded from it she took the sheath in one hand and handed it and handled in the other, withdrew a milk-white blade and held it up. The blade seemed to shine and glitter with the light of its own. It was a double-edged, like a kinjal, 
and the blade was perhaps 20 centimeters long. Do you know this, my lady? Mabe asked. All right, so it's a blade 20, 20 centimeters. 20 uh, centimeters? It's pretty big. It's a pretty big knife. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, it could only be one thing Jessica knew the fabled Chris knife of Arrakis, the blade that had never been taken off the planet and was only known by rumor and wild gossip. So, Chris knife is how we say this. Chris knife. Okay, you're sure? Nope. Readers, father, <laughs> listeners, let us know how to pronounce this. Instead, yeah, I think it's Chris Knife. Okay. I've been murdering all the other words, but this is an important one. Okay. It's a Chris Knife, she said. Say it not lightly, Mape said. Do you know its meaning? All right, so the test... This part was so sick. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, there's a test to see if Jessica is, um, like, the person from the prophecy... Mm-hmm. And this is like a secondary test. Does she know what the meaning of the knife is? And this is a lot of the Fremen lore and Fremen um, religion is built around the knife. And Jessica thought, there was an edge to that question. There's a reason this Fremen has taken service with me to ask that one question. My answer could precipitate violence or what? She seeks an answer from me. The meaning of the knife. She's called Shadow and the Chitopsa tongue. Knife, that's Deathmaker in Jacopsa. She's getting restrive. Restrive? I must answer. I must answer now. Delays as dangerous is the wrong answer. Jessica said, it's a maker. And then Mapes... We wheels. She does something. She like cuts her off at maker. Right. It was the sound of both grief and elation. She trembled so hard the knife blade sent glittering shards of reflection shooting around the room. Jessica waited, poised. Like I'm really glad she can control every muscle on her face because the shock alone. Like wait, I said the right word. I got it right? Right. She's like mid-sentence and this lady starts screaming and she's still just like, hmm. <laughs> Good thing. Will not move. <laughs> Trained her body to not move. It's will alone here. <laughs> Jessica waited poised. She had intended to say the knife was the maker of death and then added the ancient word. But every sense warned her now and all deep training of alertness that exposed meaning in the casual muscle twitch. The key word was maker. Right. So then Mapes like lowers the knife and goes crazy. My lady, when one has lived with prophecy for so long, the moment of revelation is a shock. Like I can't imagine being Mapes, you know, doing her whole life up to this believing in this myth or this legend, this mm-hmm. religious order and have it being fulfilled. She's shook. Jessica thought about the prophecy. And how, you know, this was probably laid there long, long ago. Whenever the need come for B'nai Gesserit in that day, it indeed was here. So Mapes returns the knife, or to return to sheath the knife, right? And says, this is an unfixed blade, my lady. Keep it near you, more than a week away from flesh, and it begins to disintegrate. It's yours, a tooth of Shai Halud, for as long as you live. So there's something about the wall, the knife that needs to be near flesh. Yeah. What's what's Shai Halud? I can't spoilers. I can't get into that yet. Dang it. Okay. Yeah. And it's a it's a tooth. We know that. Oh, thanks. <laughs> what do you think? Um, what do you think on this planet would make a tooth that big? I mean, probably the worms. 
So maybe it's like an extra special worm. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a tooth this long. Whoa. Mapes, you've sheathed the blade unblooded. With a gasp, Mapes drops the sheathed knife into Jessica's hands, tore open her brown bodice, wailing, take the water off my life. <laughs> okay, you took away all of the intensity of that moment with, take the water from my life. I mean, it's Mapes, come on. What she sounds like. <laughs> Gosh, I'm never going to be able to read this book again without hearing. Take the water. I know it's funny that she called like the water of my life. Right. So blood would be water. Um, to take. So she, by draining all of the blood, all of the water from her, she would be dead. And that's when Jessica's like, whoa, whoa, too far, too far. Okay, we moved it. We know that she would. She would go that way. Mapes obeyed, trembling, the eyes without the whites, staring at Jessica. You are ours, she muttered. You are the one. And then swiftly, Mapes grabs the sheath knife, concealed it in Jessica's bodice. Whoever sees a nice knife must be cleansed or slain, she snarled. You know that, my lady. I like how Jessica goes, well, now I know it. I know it now. <laughs> oh, man. Like, she's definitely just playing along as far as just saying keywords and hopefully something happens. Right, right. And uh, Mapes was just, like, real paranoid right there. She just, like, heard a noise outside and was like, oh, dude, hide the knife. <laughs> right, no one can see you with this. Uh, Mapes composed herself. The unclaims who have seen a Chris knife may not leave Arrakis alive. You forget that, my lady. You've been entrusted with a Chris knife. She took a deep breath. Now the thing must take its course. It cannot be hurried. Jessica hesitates. The thing must take its course. Like, what is about to happen? Um, but she recognizes that specific catchphrase from the right. missionary Protectiva. That a reverend mother is coming to free you, but she's like, I'm not a reverend mother. And then great mother, they planted that one here. This must be a hideous place. Like she remembers from schooling all of like all of the different legends and she like put it together. Oh crap. This is the one they've gotten. Gosh. Okay. So that kind of like, Shows us that something something crazy is happening, but I'm not a B'nai Jesuit, so I have no idea what it's going to be. Yeah, and we get a lot of perspective of, like, just from the Atreides. We don't know the the Fremen legend. We can only get bits and pieces here and there that we have to piece together. Um, in matter-of-fact tones, Mapes says, What will you be wanting me to do first, my lady? Instinct warned Jessica to match the casual tone. She said, the painting of the old duke over there must be hung on one side in the dining hall. The bull's head must go on the wall opposite the painting. And then she like looks at the head. Oh my gosh, it's so huge. It's like, what kind of planet did you live on? Yeah. This is like a ginormous beast. And there's dirt. Um, she goes, you know, should I clean it first? There's dirt on the horns. And they say, no, that's the blood of the Duke's father. Um, <laughs> and then there's this there's weird thing, this weird thing with blood that happens between Jessica and Mapes. She's like, do you think the blood bothers me? Blood doesn't bother me. I'm a, I've been in the desert. I've, I know blood. Right. Um. Let's see. What else happens here? Mm. Okay. Um, I just thought of this, and it might mean nothing, but the Duke just told her to put the painting in the dining room hall, right? Yeah, he wanted... Uh, I think he, he... Yeah, I think he wanted it there. There's yeah. something, something about if you don't like it, you can eat in your own room. Right, but he... It never said anything about the bull, I don't think. So is that like a little jab from Jessica? You know, like, oh, you're going to make me put the 
the painting in there, like I'm going to put the, the bull's head on the other side of the room, staring at the painting that's staring at me. I mean, I, th- I think they go together. Okay. Um, which like is def- yeah. That's a constant reminder of what danger does. Okay. Um, but I do think there is that, like Jessica wants to pronounce, like we are in the, we are in the ring. Gotcha. We are in the arena right now. And if you need to watch this moment and be reminded of this moment, because this is about to happen. Hmm. Um, yeah. Any last questions before we finish out this chapter? Um, yeah, the last line is like kind of intense. All right. It's okay. We'll get, we'll get there. Wait, what? We'll get there. So, hold, so Jessica says she has an urgent need to go see Paul all of a sudden, which makes right. sense. And so she leaves faster and faster. She walked until she was running out. Can you want to read, read that last paragraph? Yeah. Behind her, Mapes paused in a clearing. And blah, blah, blah. Behind her, Mapes paused in clearing the wrappings from the bull's head, looked at the retreating back. She's the one, all right. She muttered, poor thing. Bum, bum, bum. What does that mean? What What does that mean? What does that mean? I mean, again, I don't know the prophecy. You don't know the prophecy about, like, what the woman, what what happens to the woman. Right. Or what will happen. Do we get to... Are we going to know, like, at least something about what they believe and, like, what their version of the prophecy is? Yeah, it's going to slowly, in the next couple of chapters, it's going to unfold more and more. What are the key points? Okay. Um, because we know the missionary productiva is meant to design the Bene Gesserit, uh, even more so designed to protect a pregnant woman mm-hmm. and even more specific to um, protect any male of her lineage because they're looking for the Quizrock Hatterack. Yeah. And so they've been planting these seeds all over everywhere. But we don't know what exactly will happen to the woman. Right. But Mapes knows something. Mapes knows what's about to happen because everything has come true to her currently. So why won't everything else also come true? Right. Mapes is on to some stuff. I'm not, con- I'm not convinced that she's not on to some stuff. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. Mapes is going to be there for us in, uh, in the clutch while we're, while we're in the city. Mm. Mm. So yes, the Iraqi crisis has started on our first day it is unveiling i almost feel like we need to go back to read chapter two to see what piter's plan was because we're gonna watch this thing unfold oh gosh (laughs) don't worry we have a podcast if you don't want to go back and read chapter two you can make sure you uh listen to our podcast reading dune if you want to get caught up with anything you can go twitter uh at reading dune or email us at uh, readingdune at gmail.com. We'd love to answer your questions or any feedback, especially if we're pronouncing everything wrong, which we are yeah. for the most part. We're trying our best out here, folks. Um, so again, if you are a Fremen, if you're a first-time reader like Evan and have no idea what's happening, no or have somewhat of an idea like I do, uh, we'd love to hear from you. So come on down. Yeah. Okay, that was, I don't know if come on down is the right wordage, but I'm going to get there one day. <laughs> Any final thoughts there, Evan? Uh, no. I'm excited to see where this is going. It's been a lot of conversations. I'm wondering if there's going to be some... Uh, you wait for some action around here? Action. Maybe not. Maybe it's just a bunch of very political conversations. And I mean, once we hit action, we hit big action. That's that's what I'm expecting because we're what six chapters in or something, and it's just been like standing calmly in hallways, I, and 
<laughs> yes, I get I get no version of uh no, no nothing of the of the planet yet. We're just in a room. Right. Like, come on, Frank, let me see some which is why I think the movie would be excellent. Right. When's the movie so when's the movie supposed to come out? Because I'm kind of I'm I'm wondering, are we gonna finish all of this by the time this movie comes out in podcast land, you know, like, I mean, I, I, I think if we read fast, yes. And if COVID continues also, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I'm sure we don't want to release it actually in theaters, not like a, the right. whole, the DVD situation that's happening right now. So listeners and watchers, if you've, we're recording this, um, in 2020 in July, the movie is supposed to is slated for December, but no movies have come out in the last like five months and everything's been pushed back because people aren't allowed to go to movie theaters. Right. Because of a virus. And it's, it's, a, it's a good thing. I mean, Netflix has gained more money than ever right now. Yeah. It's a good thing for Netflix. It's a bad thing for Dune fans. Right. Because they can't continue. But filming is done. Everything's done. I think they were working on the score last time I checked. Oh, my gosh. Dude. I know. <clears throat> and, like, if we don't finish by the time the movie comes out, I can't go watch the movie, and I got to, like, cover my eyes when trailers come on because I'm trying not to have, like... Spoilers. From other... Yeah, spoilers or any kind of, like... I'm trying to imagine what these people look like for myself, you know? Well, Stuff I mean, like that. For you, it'll be nice because the, the movie's only going to cover the first half of the book. What? So, yeah, we're doing a Lord of the Rings thing here. Oh, okay. Cool. Yes. All right, folks. Remember, stay spicy out there. It's hot. And uh, don't forget to wear your still suit. I'll see you later. Bye.